Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 19, Intuitive Eating, Why It is So Important to Tune In with Your Body, and More, with Amanda Love. Amanda Love is a nutrition, wellness, and real food cooking consultant. She is a certified healing food specialist, real food chef, nutrition therapy practitioner, past Weston A. Price conference chef, and recipient of the Weston A. Price Food Activist Award. She is also a board member of the food activist organization, the Cornucopia Institute. For years, she has been teaching families, farmers, and freedom-seeking food lovers how to reclaim the power of simple, nourishing cooking and lead happier, more harmonious lives. She works with clients one-on-one in her office at Heal Austin, helping them to prepare for natural, radiant pregnancy and to deepen their connection to their bodies through a more intuitive approach to eating and lifestyle. Her website is amandalove.com. Amanda, it is so awesome to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I'm honored to be here with you. Oh, I'm just so, so jazzed about this because nutrition is like such a it's such a personal journey, not just for me, but for everyone if they're paying attention. And I want to, I'm going to just dive into this with you because for last night I had, and, and you know, my journey of like, okay, now my body doesn't like this. Now, well, last mm-hmm. night my body's like, I don't like haddock anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. What really? Because I've been eating this, this amazing little gluten-free breaded haddock for years. And all of a sudden last night, my body was like, okay, no. And what I mean by my body doesn't like it, I got a massive stomach ache from it. Wow. And that's how my body usually communicates with me. I was like, okay, so is trout okay? Yeah, trout's okay. Mm-hmm. So what, tell me about how you help your clients open up to that intuitive knowing with with their body's journey? That is a really great question. And just the fact that you are having these visceral experiences with eating something like a very unique fish and then feeling sick from it is telling me that you're pretty advanced along your journey of food exploration. Yes. (laughs) Right? Yep, I know that. Because that's something that usually doesn't happen for a while after you've been fine-tuning your diet, doing a lot of trial and error, figuring out what works and what doesn't work. But, you know, to introduce this idea of what you're really talking about is intuitive mm-hmm. eating. And there's, there's a lot of kind of definitions of what that means and different understandings of what intuitive eating means. But like at its simplest, it's really tuning in to ask 
what does my body really want and really need right now? And and you could also say, what does my body really desire mm. right now? And And it's just really going deep with that question in yourself before you eat something. And, and sometimes you'll know what you want first by discovering what you don't want. Mm-hmm. Or like what's not it will help inform what is it. And like if you're wondering, what should I have for dinner tonight? I really have no idea. You can start thinking like, maybe I'll have broccoli. Oh no, that just sounds bad. Maybe I'll have an omelet. Like, mm, maybe. Okay, yeah, that sounds kind of good. Or maybe I'll have fish. And you you kind of wait for that signal where your body perks up a little bit mm-hmm. and is like, mm, that sounds really good. That sounds appetizing. It's kind of like your your belly is talking to you. And which it does. <laughs> Yes, exactly. If your belly actually makes some signals like gurgling noises or starts to growl or or you actually get hungry when you think of a certain food, then that's usually a sign like, okay, yeah, that's the one that that's going to be the food that's right for me right now or today. That feels like a process of actually slowing down. Yes. Well said. Yes, exactly. I mean, if you really want to get in tune with what's right for you, then it does take slowing down, getting in tune with your body, which I think is a little bit more of an advanced process mm-hmm. <laughs> for most people. It's it's a journey yeah. to get there and to learn to, to feel your body. And um, it's a practice that you really can cultivate every day to figure out, to start getting in touch with that, with what's, what's going to be right for me now or today. It's a, a, you know, it's a fascinating process. I went through this five day challenge recently with a friend of mine who, who challenged me to use each one of my senses. Mm, I love that. And when it came to taste, her suggestion was, I eat berries and have this full visceral, like, what does each berry feel like in my mouth? Like, when I bite into it, what explodes? Because that's what happens with berries. And what's the sensations and what are the smells I feel? And it, it just, because it's total berry season in Oregon right now, I'm just doing that every morning. Mm. Well, well, first of all, you are so lucky I know. <laughs> that you live in a place with a berry season. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm sorry. That. Yeah, that's so beautiful because you are getting to fully experience that food by slowing yeah. down, fully feeling what that feels like in your mouth, the texture, the flavors, the the smell, the how it feels going down, every part of it. And that is a beautiful way to just be completely present to eating and and also really getting nourished. Because I think mm-hmm. that's one thing that we're really missing in our culture around yeah. food is 
we tend to eat so fast or eat distracted in front of TV or social media or in front of our phones or computers or at the desk while working. And so we're not fully taking in that food. We might mm-hmm. be taking it in physically, calorically, but we're not fully taking in the whole sensory aspect of every bite, of the taste, the smell, the flavors, the how's it, how it's feeling in your mouth, the chewing, the swallowing, the sensual aspect of eating, which is very satisfying when mm-hmm. you do that. And and if you don't do that, what I find is a lot of people will then snack afterwards because mm-hmm. they weren't really filled up by the meal. So they need something else, something else to consume instead of being really present with that meal, which to me is, is much more how people eat in Europe. They're fully present during the meal. They take their time. They eat over a course of an hour or two. They eat slowly mm. between bites and courses and fully, fully experience the meal with others and with friends or family, community. And it's a full body experience, a full spirit experience, a full soul, full soul nourishing experience. Mm. How do you help your clients step into that level of awareness? Well, it really depends if people are ready for that. Some people are, that's just not where they're at. Some people are, they just want to be told what to eat. Okay. And, and that is one nutrition model for sure. That's Mm -hmm. the model that I was really taught in nutrition school. You give people a diet. This is what you should eat. This is what you should avoid. And, and for some people that can be really freeing and and liberating. Okay. Um, but the people that are willing to go deeper into really getting more connected with their body, I teach them to do it just like we're talking about, like, basically, you have to take time every day to check in, to tune in, to slow down and ask your body, what do I really want right now? What do I really need? What would really nourish me? And the key is to to do it before you're too hungry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you wait, then you're like if you wait till you're really, really, really hungry, then you're likely going to choose things that might not be so nourishing just so you can get some sugar in your system. So if you can do it while you're still, I'd say, sane, <laughs> not, <laughs> not hangry. Yeah, then yeah. You're more likely to make an intelligent choice of something that will really serve you as opposed to just like sugar, just because you need something in your system like right now or like an hour ago. Right. Well, I I have, so I work at home and so I have a lot of control over what I eat. Mm -hmm. So, oh man, trust me, I, I, I know, but I'm at the point like, so, for example, I have mixed nuts. So if I get really hungry, I'll just have a handful of nuts with uh, dried cranberries. Mm-hmm. Because I know that's going to, like, I can't reach for a candy bar because there aren't any. Right. 
Yeah, so, you choose not to have that choice around you. Yeah. And exactly. it's been it's been interesting. One of the one of the challenges that has been with me for five or six years is reading labels. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, now I don't need as many labels as I used to because I eat more more plants than I ever have in my life. Mm-hmm. But I've found that when I do read labels, I get so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Do you help your clients navigate that? Yes. Well, like you were saying, now you mostly don't have to read labels because mm-hmm. you're eating more whole foods. And that's the idea is if you're eating mostly real food, you know, uh, fruits, vegetables, meat, eggs, things like that, simple foods, then there's usually not a, la- a lot of labels to read. Mm-hmm. But but when it does come to something that's like packaged or created, processed, it's, you know, one way intuitively that you can go about it is you can just hold the package and see if you get excited about it, how you feel and not read the label. That is certainly one approach. Some people do that, that follow intuitive eating. They just don't even read the label. Right. Um, For me, that's hard because I know so much about (laughs) what's in many of our foods. Yeah. And and the front of the package is often, there's, it can be misleading. Mm -hmm. Like for example, you might see a mayonnaise that says made with olive oil. Mm -hmm. And if you only look at the front of the, of the bottle, you would think, Oh, it's just got olive oil. But then often when you look at the back, you'll see the first ingredient is soybean oil. Mm-hmm. And they put a little olive oil in it so they can say made right. with olive oil. So I find it valuable to actually read the ingredients mm-hmm. on the back to really see what's in something. Yeah. But, you know, people that follow true intuitive eating would not do that. They would just say, just go by what you feel. And if, if you're intuitively drawn to this, I guess, because I know so much about our food supply and GMOs and, um, bad oils, I would rather know what's in there and not eat it. If it has something I don't like or resonate with. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense because I go in, I vacillate between intuitively. When I, I haven't developed my intuitive sense well enough to just know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to, I have to go down the process. Like I, I, I made these amazing veggie burgers last week and I got ketchup from a local company. I was like, Oh, this is so cool. I'm supporting local because that's one of my things. Mm-hmm. And then I sit down and I'm like, this is, this is so tasty. It's not Heinz. I'm doing really well. And then of course it has cane sugar and that's something I don't eat. So it's like, okay, now I have to like, see if there is a paleo version because, you know, and, and it's just a, okay, it's just one more thing I have to invest energy into that. I mean, I could make my own, but I'm, I'm like, there's some things I'm just like, okay, no. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That it's definitely one of the challenges of knowing so much. Yeah. Because five years ago, would you have just enjoyed the ketchup? Mm-hmm. 
It would have yeah. been it would have been Heinz. Okay, it would have been Heinz. Or if you had known to buy the local company. I probably would have picked that, you know, like, because I always had, I like supporting local. Yeah. And how cool to find a local business that makes ketchup. Yeah. That's pretty rare. Yeah. So it's, that's the challenge. Like when you know so much, it can make you a little bit of a not relaxed eater. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Or or food Nazi and and that can be its own form of um, just in, you know, not in, not, not enjoyment around yeah. food, you know, creating control and restriction and rules. It's, it's really challenging. Yeah. Like ideally we would live in a culture where all the ingredients in our food were healthy mm-hmm. and then we can eat things and really not have to worry about it that would be amazing (laughs) yes like when I go to Europe I feel so much more relaxed eating there because like in France for example no GMOs are allowed so they don't have Mm. glyphosate in the food so even if it's not certified organic I know if I'm eating in a restaurant at least it doesn't have glyphosate yeah I feel so much more relaxed eating that way yeah But, but here because there is a lot of junk in the food. If you want to eat a certain level of quality or cleanliness, then you you might are you you might be more vigilant mm-hmm. than other times. I think it's really a matter of deciding like it does this does this bring me peace or does this bring me restriction or frustration or anger to not enjoy that ketchup in that moment. Mm, like that's, that's... Example, go ahead. Well, like, you know, when you eat at home, you can set, you can decide when I eat at home, I'm going to eat like, you know, a hundred percent food that I love and feels good to me. And I know where it's from or 90% or whatever. But when I eat out, I'm going to relax a little bit. Otherwise, I'm not really going to enjoy my meal mm-hmm. if if it's not perfect. And it's hard to get perfect yeah. food according to your food health standards when you're eating out. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you know people, you've eaten out with people that are just total food Nazis. They ask the wait, waiter, waitress, you know, 10, 15 questions before they order. Mm-hmm. And it's not a very relaxing experience Ooh. eating out with they're questioning everything and that's like we've become a nation like that of of health and nutrition nazis <sighs> and the downside of that is we're leaving out the huge ingredient called pleasure yeah and that's also very important that we feel relaxed when we eat that's where we have good digestion mm-hmm. is being relaxed while we eat and and having pleasure and enjoyment with the meal so it's really a choice you know, deciding each meal, each moment, what, what am I eating for? And sometimes, you know, for people that are going through a health crisis, they, their, um, their guts are super sensitive. Yeah. They've got you know, major issues in their gut or autoimmune or uh, whatever health issues. They, they don't have a choice. They, they have to eat really clean a certain way, or they could be really, they could get really sick. Mm-hmm. So for those people, like, they do have to be really careful. 
But if you're not that person, then you really still do have a choice. Right. So that can provide freedom, just knowing I have a choice. And yes, I I choose not to have cane sugar. And right now, I am going to just enjoy this ketchup. And next time, I'll get different ketchup. Yeah. You know, or or like, oh, darn, it has sugar. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to eat this because that's going to bring me more peace just to not eat it. But I'll pass it on to my friend or neighbor. Yeah. And I think bringing that that element of of peace into your food choices is is a pretty radical concept. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, speak to that a little bit because I love how you're bringing us back into that connection between body and mind mm. and spirit. Thank you. Well, it's like, I mean, I've, I've always been interested in eating for health and vitality, mm -hmm. but I've never thought that pleasure is not part of that equation. Okay. And I think as, since I've been in this health movement for a long time, I grew up with a grandmother that owned a health food store and I had a mom that was a health nut. And then I started this, this kind of work in my really late teens, early twenties. Mm. I, I saw the, the phase, the trend for a long time of health food equals like really boring food. Okay. And tasteless, bland, cardboard like food. Right, right. And, um, and I never thought that was true. I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, here's a great story to illustrate that. It was one of my first jobs when I was 22, one of my first like kind of health jobs. I was hired to cook food for this nutritionist. I was cooking her own personal food and I made all the food that she would eat the whole week. Oh, wow. And she, uh, I was the, another, another cook passed the job on to me and just kind of gave me a little lesson. Like, this is what you do. And this is how, what she likes and how she likes it. So the first time I went in to meet her, I said, do you want me to make your food taste good? Because I can, if you want me to, because I could see that the <laughs> other person cooking for her was just making like really bland food. That's and, awesome. And the nutritionist said, "Oh, you can try, but it—I don't think that's really possible." But you oh, can wow! Try. And so, what she had been doing prior to me cooking for her was, she would put all her food in the blender and drink it. Oh, like salmon broccoli. Oh. She would blend it up. Oh, that's okay. I know. And so, I. Which I was like, oh, that sounds so unappetizing. Yeah. So then I started cooking for her. I'd already been cooking professionally for a few years at that point. I knew how to cook and mm -hmm. make things taste good. Plus, I cooked my whole childhood growing up. My mom was a great cook, so I knew how to cook. So I brought her food in, her delivery for the week for the first time. And she tasted it and she just started crying. And it, like, it really hit her. And here's a food educator who worked with hundreds of clients, 
Uh educating them about food, getting them to eat better. And, and part of this idea that good food is, does not taste good. You just have to get it down somehow. Oh, so it was a huge revolution and transformation for her. And then she started sending me to all of her clients. I would go to their homes and give them cooking lessons. And many of them had put, been put on a very extremely restricted diet. Like they would do some food sensitivity test and find out they were allergic to like everything, but seven foods or 10 foods. So we would take those 10 foods and I'd show them like 10 different meals to make. And we'd make all those meals and they were just so excited and felt forward again. But um, for, to me, you know, eating well also equates eating delicious food. Mm-hmm. Nature gave us all these incredible herbs and spices to make our food taste good. Yeah. And, and they also serve the other function of being good for digestion. Any herb and spice that's a culinary herb and spice that's good, good for flavor, always good for digestion. They help support digestion. They're carminatives. Yeah. So um, making the food taste good, it creates pleasure. And that when you eat with pleasure, you are so much more likely to actually digest your food well. Mm-hmm. And you also want your food to look good, not just like a, a salmon broccoli smoothie. <laughs> a plate that's that's physically appealing because digestion really begins in the brain. It begins yeah. with starting to think about the food, with walking in the door, smelling the food, and then looking at the food, fully taking it in mm-hmm. and, and taking time to eat it and be with it. And it's a whole, you know, act of sensual eating that when you do that, you can feel so satisfied by yeah. the meal and, and also so nourished as well because you've fully taken it in but also eating eating food that tastes good that's exciting to you that's appealing is going to be so much better for you than mm-hmm. eating something just because you think you should because you think it's good for you but you're not into it you're not excited about it so i have a beautiful uh analogy because it speaks to me like i i don't eat things that don't taste good yes. and i'm healthy because I don't want to torture myself. However, in the morning, uh, my beloved partner makes this bowl of grains and yogurt and berries, and it smells horrible. <laughs> but he says it's good for me. And then he'll see me with my little smooth, like I'll have a protein shake with spinach and mangoes and some some dried um, uh, supplements and. And then I'll have my little bowl of berries and I'll have some simple milk crackers. He's like, that looks so tasty. (laughs) Of course it is because I make tasty food. I don't, I'm not going to torture myself with bad tasting food because it's good for me because it doesn't make any sense to me. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's, that's the example of how he eats is like cultural programming. Mm -hmm. Like, like in Europe, there's probably nobody that would do that. <laughs> a very few people <laughs> that would eat just because it's good for you. Yeah. It did not also bring pleasure. So what do you think it is in American culture that that makes us 
have this perception about healthy food? We've been given this idea that to be healthy, you just have to, you know, just do the thing, eat the the wheat bran, which how we got sold on that, I don't know. Um, <laughs> take the Metamucil, um, eat just egg whites and margarine and, and food that's very deprivational, mm-hmm. just as a function. Like we're very function based, like, oh, I'll do this because it will make me this way. It will provide low cholesterol or fiber for my bowels or take this fish oil because it's good for my brain when we don't really consider the whole the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Like if I eat something that's yummy and, and that's, you know, quality and like ideally locally procured and mm-hmm. seasonal, that that is going to be good for me in all ways as like a whole person, a whole being. Radical stuff, honey. <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely is. How do you, when, when you bring this approach to your clients, what's the response? Well, I've been doing this for over 20 years and the common response is people are relieved. They're mm. like, oh my gosh, really? You mean I can eat that? I thought that was bad for me. I, I, I didn't think mm. I could do that. And they, they find relief and also excitement and mm-hmm. feel empowered with eating again. Yeah. Give them permission to eat foods that the government or doctors or medical establishment or books or scientific studies have all said are bad for them. Yeah. And people are excited and and like seriously seriously relieved. Yeah, I find most people that come to me they're just really undernourished because they're eating a very deprived diet based on mm-hmm. information that they've heard. Yeah. Um, even if they're eating, you know, a more organic paleo diet, for example, which is generally a very healthy quality diet, but maybe they've cut out all carbs because they heard that's better for them. But for them in particular and their body type and their life and lifestyle, they might really need carbs. Yeah. And and I understand that word need is subjective and there's probably people that would question me on that <laughs> um, that are, you know, ad ad uh ardent keto followers. But I'm saying like, you know, on many levels, not just a physiological level, they might do better with with carbs in their diet. Mm-hmm. And when I give them permission uh, to have that again, they're like, oh, Thank you, because I really miss rice or potatoes or winter squash, but I just thought it was bad for me. Yeah. That's the common thing is people are eating with their heads. They're eating from mm. what they heard. They're eating from external advice. Yeah. Instead of eating intuitively, eating what feels good, what sounds good, what mm. they naturally want to eat. I had a discussion today with one of my friends, and she said, you know, our our family doctor told us that we should all be eating more fish. And I said, how do you feel when you eat it? Mm-hmm. And because for me, I, I honor and respect doctors because mm-hmm. I, I know from my own experience with a, with 
a history degree, it takes a lot of effort to get a doctorate in something. Definitely. So I totally honor it. And they can give you advice, but you have to know what's good for you more. They can't know what's good for you as well as you do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I wish that doctors would actually get some nutrition training because, mm. you know, people go to a doctor and think like, oh, the doctor knows everything. And the doctor told me to eat this way. The doctor knows best. I better listen to that doctor. But the fact is most doctors have actually like mm. no hours of nutrition training whatsoever wow. or two at the most. So they're really not qualified to give yeah. dietary advice because they don't really know mm-hmm. much of anything about it. And and for that doctor to say you should eat more fish, that could be really good advice for some people. Right. And it could be really bad advice for other people. Like if somebody already has high mercury mm-hmm. or, my, or mercury poisoning, for example, that could be really bad. But for many people, that could be great advice depending on where they get the fish and high quality it is. So it's hard to like you know, this country is just full of people giving blanket pieces mm-hmm. of advice about what to do and what to eat and what not to eat. And I mean, yeah, like ideally you should not have aspartame or anything, any GMOs or soybean oil or other, you know, things like that. But when it comes to other foods, one thing could be really good for a person and that same food could be not great for another person. So it's hard to give just completely the same advice. Yeah. That's that's what I found. My, my mom, I love her dearly and she, she watches. So we all go grocery shopping together. My, my beloved Steven and my mom and I, and Sometimes I'll get stuff and Stephen will make a face and my mom just gets this <laughs> empathy. Like, I'm so sorry. She's torturing you. She <laughs> loves what I feed him, but he loves to get the reaction from my mom because she thinks like she's going to be moving in to the building that we live in, in a couple of weeks. And I said, mm-hmm. mom, you can come up for dinner every once in a while. She's like, no, that's okay. <laughs> no, it tastes good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like she thinks it's just weird health food or something. Yeah, It's just hysterical because she's just like convinced that she doesn't really understand how I exist because I'm eating this food that she doesn't understand. Right. Well, she's from a different generation. Ideas about eating were so completely different. So Mm -hmm. it is a, it's a hard bridge to cross (laughs) for that. It definitely is generation but if she would be open she would probably find some new things that she likes i'm pretty sure she would because again i i make tasty food <laughs> i bet you do i can tell <laughs> just by talking to you plus we live in portland the best food city in the nation with That's true amount of farmers markets i think anywhere lucky you oh man if you ever get up here we're going to the farmers market oh, on saturday because oh, yes yeah, it's, I, I want to. <laughs> I'm actually friends with some of the farmers now. Awesome. That's the best. Which, yeah, because it's like you're feeding me. And that that's another level. It's like so I have the the 
mind-boggling pleasure of having one of the best farmers markets I've ever been in my life mm. every Saturday. And you're so lucky. So I know I am. I'm very, very, very grateful. Mm-hmm. And so knowing the people who grow my food mm-hmm. is a it's like a different level of honoring myself and them and the food. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I I love what you're saying. And I totally agree with you. I'm a farmer's market junkie myself. I go (laughs) every Saturday, sometimes to two on one (laughs) or one Saturday. I wish that that connection that you're talking about was, was more common in our country because I think we would all be so much healthier if we knew our farmers. It, to me, that's the first part of eating is knowing the farmer, knowing where the food came from. My farmers, I love them. They love me. Mm-hmm. I've known them many for like 15 years. Oh, wow. They're like a really important part of my life. If I miss yeah. the market, I just feel like, oh, I missed it. Something's uh-huh. in my week, you know? Totally get that. And they ask about me if they don't see me and ask about them and yeah, it's so important to support our local farmers. I mean, it it so easily could not yeah. happen. So easily could just stop quickly and we'd all be dependent on food in stores that's mostly coming from California. And yeah. we're supporting our local economy as well by supporting the farmers markets and, and supporting, you know, putting that our money back into mm-hmm. local businesses and people doing of the most important work, the, the hardest work. Oh, and man. this nation, when it was founded, it was 97% farmers. Wow. Now it's 3%. 3%. So many farms have run out of business, have died out because it's so hard. It's so hard to make a living. Well, I, I have this 10 by 20 plot. Mm-hmm. And oh, man. It's kicking me. Totally. I know, right? <laughs> when I have a garden too, once you grow your own food, it gives me so much respect for what our farmers go through. Oh, yeah. All the elements changing all the time and the weeds, the, the bugs and the weeds. And yeah, I know. It gives me so much respect. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, there's this one guy who's, who's a gap farmer, he's going from, Conventional to organic. Awesome. And he's invested all of his effort in his soil. Awesome. Because that's where it starts. Right. And honestly, like I saw him two weeks ago and his peaches had come in. He's got the best peaches I've ever had in my life. And I bought them from somebody else. And like I bought peaches before I came to his stand and I looked at it. I was like, I didn't know your peaches were in. Oh my gosh. And so I had to buy more peaches, even though I'd, I'd already, you know, like I just had to buy more peaches because they were his peaches. Of course. Like, I don't need that many peaches, but I'm going <laughs> to eat them anyways because yeah. damn it, they're his. And, and he just laughed because he's like, he knows that I love, like I'll, whatever he brings in, I don't even really like asparagus. I'll, when he gets asparagus, I'll buy the asparagus because I want to support him. Yes. Like, I'll just have asparagus now. <laughs> totally. Figure a way to make it taste good. You. Because I just I feel compelled to support these people. Yes. 
I'm so with you. And I think once you have the understanding, it doesn't even really matter that it might be cheaper to shop at Trader Joe's or whatever store. Uh, Not that you can't still shop at stores, but it's like you're part of this tribe, this family. But Mm. also, once you start eating food with such high life force, I feel like it's almost an addiction, a healthy addiction. I mean, I'm addicted to vitality because I know Mm -hmm. how good it feels to feel that way. And Mm -hmm. I know the food that I need to feel that way is food from my garden or the farmer's market. And the backup is, you know, a co-op, a health food store, whatever. But like once you get, once you feel that way, you don't want to go down. (laughs) Right. I know. It's like, I, 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 one of the things I got this week was an artichoke. And the fact that I can buy an artichoke from a farmer is just, it's head turning to me. Yes. And, and one of my gardeners planted an artichoke plant this year. And I was like, oh, this is to me. She's got like 12 artichokes growing right now. Awesome. Like, how did you? Uh, I want an artichoke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and another thing I love about going to the farmer's market is it's tuning me in to the seasonality of food. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the rhythms that I need to tune into more deeply within myself because it, it, it's like this awareness of how connected I am to the planet. Mm-hmm. And how I like in the fall, because I grew up in New England, I want fall foods. I want my pumpkin. I want my squash. Well, maybe not so much squash, but, you know, (laughs) feeling that that deeper seasonality that that comes through with the farmer's market is pretty fascinating. Exactly. I, I love that. And you if you just shop at a store, you won't totally know what's in season because watermelon might be there in January or peaches or apricots or something. And it takes stepping out of that and actually going to see what's available right now. What, what to, what grew in my local area to see like, okay, this is actually the food that's going to serve me best right now. Eating Mm -hmm. seasonally, eating food in the summer that is going to support me dealing with this weather and in then eating food in the winter, the colder months, the more winter greens and root veggies and uh, winter squashes and sweet potatoes and things like that. That's so much more the food that keeps you warm and grounded and nourished in that season. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also nice to have a break. If I had like I have these beautiful tomatoes I'm looking at right now from my garden, these gorgeous mm. brandywine heirloom tomatoes. If I had those year round, I don't think I'd appreciate them as much. Yeah. But I know that I, I'm only going to have them for two or three months while they're just popping out of the garden. Mm. And I, I have them every day and they're so freaking good. I'm enjoying it so much. But uh, last all winter, I had just like the most gorgeous heirloom speckled lettuce in my garden that I would eat every, like every day, have this mm. beautiful salad. 
and um and went all kinds of winter greens and broccoli and cabbage and cauliflower and and it was just perfect for that time and now mm-hmm. i'm mostly not having those foods I'm just yeah i'll take a break when it comes back in season i'll have that again so and your your nature gives you the things that you really need for your body that time like for example there's a lot of orange foods that become available in the fall winter squash and sweet potatoes and carrots and onions and things like that and that that's really the nutrient we need to protect our lungs and that's the time of year that mm. people tend to get lung colds and coughs and flus and things like that so by eating those foods it's naturally going to protect you your body your immune system boost you for that season and that time of year mm. It's so fascinating to tune into that because it's not something we were like we we were taught and we've lost it. Mm-hmm. So to come back and and recognize that there's a reason why the pumpkins are available or the squash is available in the fall. Exactly. And how we're connected to it, and it's just. It's just such a fascinating journey because it's it's bringing us back into that connectivity with nature that we've forgotten. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Yeah, that to me is one of the biggest parts of healing. And when I see new clients that are just, you know, so disconnected to their bodies and not knowing what to eat, I tell them just start going to the farmer's market and seeing what's available and just buy what looks appealing and start eating seasonally. And it's also a lot less overwhelming because there's less choices. Right. If you go to the grocery store, there's like a million choices because everything is available all the time mm-hmm. in America, pretty much. Yeah. And it can be very overwhelming for people. Like, what the heck do I eat? I have no idea. But when you eliminate three seasons and you're just going to eat the season of <sighs> one, one, you know, the food of one season... It's like, oh, okay, this is easier. I can figure out what to make with these, you know, 10 foods mm-hmm. of this season. Mm. So, yeah, that can be really helpful. How do you think tying this all in helps you with your deeper connection? Deeper connection. To like- your soul, to to the energy of the divine. Mm, beautiful. Well, I I have always felt that the reason I'm doing this work is to help people ultimately to be able to access the divine. Mm. And that our bodies are these beautiful conduits, these beautiful temples to access light, truth, love. And that if we gunk them up, with bad food, with dead food, with food that's grown on fields of full of chemicals and just harvested by machines and not really connected to people that care, that our vitality is going to be severely compromised. And and that's what's happening right now in our nation. But that if we can really nourish our body with real amazing food that's full of vitality and life force and where 
where you feel connected to that food because you know where it came from, your garden, or you know the farmer and you cooked it, or people that you know and love cooked it, that that is just going to enrich your your being so much, your body, your soul, your your whole life, and and just deepen that connection to source, to creator, to God, whatever it is that you call that. Mm. I feel like it's so essential, mm. so important. And I think that, you know, modern religion doesn't really get that connection. And I would love to see churches transformed, you know, so that they're instead of serving donuts and spaghetti dinners, they're actually serving like really high quality, nutritious food and, and educating people like, Hey, if you want to feel really connected to the creator or God or Jesus or whatever, eat this amazing food. Like you, it'll be, it will make a difference. Yeah. Totally. Well, not there yet, but <laughs> maybe someday we're getting there. We're getting there. But your question just brings me around to Findhorn. I've been reading these incredible books about Findhorn recently. Do you know about Findhorn? I know a little. So if you could explain a little more, that would be wonderful. Okay. Well, it's this spiritual community in Scotland that just, it kind of happened serendipitously. It never was planned. Um, It was these three people that came together and they just kept listening to the voice of God, the voice of spirit that kept telling them, grow food, grow food, mm-hmm. keep keep growing. It would give them specific guidance and instructions about how to enrich this very poor soil. They basically lived on the edge of Scotland by the sea where it was just sand and gravel. Mm-hmm. And they they somehow learned how to create amazing soil by creating compost and and also just tuning in to the the spirits of the of the land and the plants and they started growing just incredible gardens mm. and one of their cabbages was 42 pounds wow 42 pounds and people started coming from all over yeah. to see these gardens including like agricultural experts and they're like this just isn't possible you know and and so at one point the main woman, Eileen Caddy, who was the the wife of this little trio, it was uh, her and her husband and their friend, Dorothy McLean. She asked, like, why, why are we doing this, God, spirit? Why, why is there such an emphasis on, on growing these gardens, creating these huge gardens? And because her life had kind of just been taken over by these gardens. Like, <laughs> that's what they did. I mean, they're like, you know, educated, like, uh, citizens and their life had just become all about these gardens and, and God or spirit said, this is to make your vessel ready to receive me and to do greater work, which is to come. And it was like, wow, thank you. That is, that's my reminder of why I'm doing this. That's why food has always been so important to me and always been so important in my spiritual path and my spiritual journey because of that. That is so <laughs> beautiful. Oh, thank you for getting it. It's so 
beautiful to share that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing it because I, I get I get it. It's like it's such an my journey has been one of of tuning in more than than yours has been. I have I have had some healthy family members, but not as deeply as yours. Mm-hmm. So but intuitively I knew that I wanted to be healthier. Right. And I think all of us, when we tune in, want to be healthier. And the reason is because we know deep inside that that's going to open us up to our connection to God, to spirit, to the divine. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's like, you know, people get, quote, healthy in different ways. Some people, it's through eating a way more plant-based diet. And some people, it's through eating uh, way more meat or even a carnivore diet, mm-hmm. like only meat. And that's an individual journey. But what happens when people do make that journey to like really consciously choosing the food that they're going to eat is an awakening. An awakening often to greater purpose for them in their life, awakening to spirit, to love, to community, to connection. It's like, it's such an important part of the journey. Mm-hmm. You know, that that relationship with food and whatever that looks like for you or your that individual person is definitely a very key part of of the spiritual journey of the, this journey of life, Mm. you know, fully be embodying you, your spirit in this body, in this lifetime. Mm. Mm. (sighs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know I was going to say all that, but (laughs) it's so beautiful. Thank you. It really is. It's so beautiful for me to get to share that too. I feel like it's so important and, I don't usually have this conversation, so I appreciate your question. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I think we can't top that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is one other thing I would love to mention. Oh, please do. Because we have a couple more minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to mention that my, my main passion now is with fertility and preconception preparation. Um, that is that that passion is really people are like why are you so passionate about this is it because you want to have a baby and it's like well that's that's part of it but I've been passionate about this for a long time and as I've worked in this health world health 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 care world for so long I see how many people's health issues started before they were even born. Wow. What their mothers ate, what their grandmothers ate, what their grandparents were doing, even their great grandparents, Mm. and how our health has declined each generation more and more and more. And where we used to have be, you know, very stout people with broad faces and beautiful teeth and room for all the teeth and our our heads are actually much bigger and through 
the last few generations of our diet completely changing and us eating more processed refined food than ever before and no longer eating our ancestral foods that all of our ancestors used to eat, our physical structure has completely changed. Wow. If you look at many younger generations or children, you'll see most of them have very narrow faces. They don't have enough room for all the teeth all their teeth, they have overbites and underbites. And with that, they have ear infections and all kinds of respiratory issues and allergies. And, you know, sometimes if they get like a whiff of peanut dust in the air, they go into anaphylactic shock or have major problems. And with that, there's learning disorders and um, autism and just so many health problems with the younger generations. And I'm here to say, that's not normal. That is not how it should be. That's not how it was even a few decades ago. Mm -hmm. And suddenly this has become the norm big time, Mm -hmm. which really concerns me. And so much of that starts before conception, before a couple Mm -hmm. actually makes a baby. And so that's what I'm working on is getting to people, getting to the root cause, getting to people before they actually conceive and getting them to one detox their bodies of all mm. the chemicals that we store in our bodies. Yeah. And and then to really nourish with real food, with healing foods, to heal their guts and their hormones and their brains, and to take high quality supplements and really get their bodies in a state that is ready to grow a life and to nourish a life throughout pregnancy and then postpartum with, with good breast milk, but also to learn how to, how to cook. So these kids are given real food. So many, mm-hmm. so many people just don't know how to cook anymore or they just go through mm-hmm. the drive through and the kids are just right. eating very subpar food. So that's my main focus now. It's something I've been mm-hmm. passionate about for a long time, but, it, but I've decided, you know what, this is my time. I'm really going to focus on this because this information needs to be shared. It needs to be out there in many ways before it's too late because we're getting to the point where mm. it's going to be harder and harder to reproduce the more that we yeah. go down this path of of eating poor quality mm-hmm. foods, it's going to be harder and harder. It's already it's already a big issue right now. Infertility is a is a big issue. It's said one in four couples are have infertility. Wow. Yeah, and I see that a lot in my practice. But if things stay the same, it's going to be a lot more than that. Yeah. But you know when 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 somebody is called infertile, when I work with them, I see often they're eating a really poor diet. They're not eating enough good fat, enough good protein, enough nutrients, enough veggies. They're working sixty or eighty hours a week. They're partying like a single person, drinking a lot, drinking a lot of alcohol, coffee. They're not acting as if. Mm-hmm. And that's what it really takes is acting as if you're you're going to be a parent to mother or father, creating that way of life for yourself and and getting your body ready for that. And when many people do that, then they get pregnant. 
because their body's like, oh, okay, I'm ready now. You're giving me the tools I need. I can do this. Yeah. And then you don't have to force it with IVF or, you know, artificial ways of getting pregnant. So I just want to throw that in there because I feel like it's so important and that needs to be talked about more. It is. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, yeah. So exciting. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, uh, thank you for the work you're doing in this world. Oh, my pleasure and my honor. I, I just, I have to do it. I understand. So thank you. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. The action item of the week is to start paying attention to how your body responds to what you eat. How do you feel after eating cheese, for example? Track it for a week. It'll help you to start tuning in more. Until next week, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Let it Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.